On today's show, we're going to do a deep dive into Tennessee's duo of Jordan Horse and Rakia Jackson in episode four of our 2023 WBA Draft Prospect Profile Series. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, I highly recommend flipping this over to YouTube to see video footage and graphics that come with a detailed analysis of their game. Lots of women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallace for the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Welcome, you're listening to basketball. My name is Sonny Grizz, and I'm the Saturday host covering the WNBA draft in college basketball at large. Thanks for making Lots of Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Lots of Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs we find quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. I'm joined by my host, M. Adler. M is a BR for Seattle Storm and heads our written coverage of the WBA draft at thenexthoops.com. So today's discussion is Tennessee's Jordan Horston and Rakia Jackson. Just start me off with their stat profile and just some interesting things you've uh, found in your dive. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to start off with Jordan Horston here before we uh, get, get into Rakia Jackson. Jordan Horston has played uh, now basically three and a half, about to be, you know, this season's her fourth season at Tennessee. Um, she has kind of been basically their point guard since she got there, or at least she was running a lot of points her first year and has basically been the point guard for two of the past three years, at least their highest usage, pick and roll type in the system playmaker sort of player. This season is the first time in basically her entire career that she's been remotely above average on the jump shot. And, you know, we're talking about forwards here today. And when it comes to today's day and age, 20, year 2023 and forward profiles or the profiles of forwards or big wings in the W, you need a jump shot. Horston this year is running a 40 uh, about a 45% effective field goal percentage on jumpers, which isn't great. It's solidly above average. And she's doing that both off the dribble and on catch and shoot jumpers for you know, the first time in her career, like I said. She's excellent on uh, floaters, runners, leaners in the lane. She's always had an elite floater every year. Uh, she is right now, according to Synergy, in the 70th percentile in finishing around the rim. Uh, that is uh, the first time that she's actually been not just like solidly average. She had been basically... 50th percentile of first three years. She's at the 70th percentile. And I'll get into why in a second. Um, sticking on that play type profile, she's in the 60th percentile, running pick and rolls as just score, if you include her playmaking, which is a huge strength of hers. She jumps up to the 70th percentile. And in that same deal, only has a 13.9% turnover rate on pick and rolls, which would be, if that was her whole mark across the season, it would rank in the top quintile among all players nationwide. She runs. She runs a pretty high assist rate for a for someone of her height who effectively plays three and four. They list her as guard for a reason, like I said, running basically point guard. And she has a great passing ability there. And that's how you get those stats. She this year is running career highs in both two-point percentage and free throw percentage this year. Her turnover rate, which we'll get to in a second, has decreased every year. And her defensive playmaking, the stocks per game, blocks per game, block rate, still rate, et cetera, they've gone up every year. Uh, and the no pun intended key thing for me here with Horston is to Tamari Key. She developed blood clots basically after the team's eighth game of the year, and she immediately was basically just out for the season. So 
they basically lost their center and have had to play some players they wanted more at the four there for this year. And so we've seen a big shift in basically everyone's stat profile since and for Jordan Orson, it's really encouraging. So what you said with all of that was development. And mm-hmm. whenever looking at this clash from a holistic standpoint, there's not a lot of star level upside prospects. There's a couple like um Leisha and me here where you're just saying that's like a one percent outcome chance she becomes a star. But with someone like Horson, if I'm looking for a star in this class outside of Diamond Miller and Aaliyah Boston are clear um clearing ahead the best, like highest star level upside in this class. But outside of them, it's Jordan Horson for me. She runs a really good pick and roll. She's really crafty. Uh there was a game earlier this year. It was one of the best prospect games I've seen this season. It was against Mississippi State in early January. She had like 27 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists. She didn't make a 3, but it was how she operated out of ball screens. It was how she how she snaked the ball screen, how she can just rise up to pull up jumpers in the mid-range. Um, and I think in like second side situations, especially, I think she can definitely like capitalize on those closeouts and She's really, she's really a really well-rounded player, and there's value in her skill set. I think um, in the lottery for me. I'm very much on the same page. Um, yeah, when we talk about players with potential to just be even in just an impact role player, we talked about this Haley Jones last week, and Haley Jones, you see the clear path to being an excellent role player and like a super unique one at that. But it's tough to find the avenue there. And what I've been saying about Jordan Horston for the better part of uh, a year and a half, two years, is with her, you basically don't have to worry about the defensive side. You know, it's entirely possible that it doesn't translate, but everything we've seen out of her is that there is an immense amount of defensive skill and it's going to translate. And there's nothing about it that shouldn't translate. She can basically do everything excellently. She can cover guards, she can cover wings, she can cover forwards, and she can provide any sort of help defense, she's really solid both on and off the ball, etc. To get to the level of being, uh, you know, a really solid, contributing, great role player, you know, with Haley Jones, it was hard to make those steps, even though we, we clearly see what they are. For Jordan Orson, it was, you know, just trying to find that offensive role. Before this year, I, you know, I mentioned in the stat role, her turnover rate has decreased ever here. We, we have talked about this before or sorry, you just mentioned this, her ability as a pick and roll player is really good. For a player who's six foot two, it's pretty excellent. Um, she has really good chops for being able to open um, passes to the roller, pocket passes overhead. However, she makes excellent jump passes, obviously because of her height, but she can make those like little bounce pocket passes the ways that you know smaller guards tend to specialize in. And with, the, with her floater, with her... Um, ability to once once the key once Tamari Key was done for the year, Jordan Horston suddenly had a lot more room in the paint to work with Tamari Key on offense. Basically, just an anchor at the rim, and there's always going to be an extra defender in the rim. Once once Key went down, you no longer had that issue so much with how Jillian Hollingshed and Jasmine Franklin are able to at least give you some space into the cor- to the short corner instead of the rim. So for Horston, she's had a lot more space to operate in. So like I said, the runner is great that uh, and that really opens up a lot with her passing in the pick and roll, but also now she has room and she has been using her physicality to actually go downhill and through smaller guards. They played Arkansas. So we're recording this on on Friday, February 17th. They played Arkansas the day prior. Arkansas has got a lot of really good defensive forward talent. 
But because of Horston's handling and because of um, her role on offense, they had to, uh, Arkansas op- elected to stick Michaela Daniels, uh, an undersized guard on her because Jordan Horston operates from the perimeter so much. And that was just hell for Arkansas. Horston went through Daniels on so many pick and rolls and just took her straight to the rim and was able to finish there. And I think that's really, for me, what's been the biggest shot this year is her ability to use her physicality and cut down on the turnovers while still being able to continue up that playmaking. She's really an ace when it comes to skip passes. If there's an open player, she hits them. She's not, she, you don't want her like running the full point at the next level. I don't think she has that level of playmaking, or at least, or at least it would, or at least it would take something that we haven't seen yet, but it's certainly possible for her to be in that role. But her ability to actually make offense happen just from standstill half-court sets and do it efficiently this year has been incredibly encouraging, even though she still does, you know, throw up some some duds sometimes. And like you said, with her ability to get to the rim, her proficiency on runners, I like her on runners, especially with that size or touch. She does so much well on the offensive end, and that was the main thing for me heading this year. How can she like adapt better and make better decisions with the ball? Because you'll see you'll see times like last year, um, earlier this year as well, where she had some 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 bad decisions. And a main game for me was against Alabama last month. She had like not seven assists, I think, in the first half, and she had like one turnover. Uh, where do you think like in this draft would be like a realistic outcome for her? Well, what we haven't mentioned so far in uh, detail, and, you know, we talked about her offense because that was the sticking point <clears throat> for us in, you know, what is going to be the difference. Her defense, like I said, is impeccable. I mean, I think she is easily one of, like, the five best and, and most impactful defenders in the country, even though she's not a center. Center is, you know, obviously the biggest uh, impact defensive position. Just the things she can do is, are, are immaculate. She <clears throat> really doesn't make mistakes, and she's still an excellent defensive playmaker, and she can – she's – elite in help. She's, her hands are excellent. She avoids fouls so well. She keeps drivers in front of her. She can't, I, it's just, and she's a plus rebounder. It's just so much. So when you, so when it comes to, you know, who does she fit with? Frankly, I think most teams could use a player like her at this point, given how the draft is set up. I think Washington could very badly need a player like her. I think Probably like her 30th percentile, 40th percentile outcome right now is someone like um, a couple years ago, uh, Brittany Sykes, where you know there wasn't as efficient um, finishing and there wasn't necessarily the same, quite the same level that we saw when she was given the ball a little bit more last year in Los Angeles. But she still has she still has efficiency problems. She's in Washington now. Horson's upside is really just a more efficient version of Brittany Sykes. So that would really fit for a team that really needs some wing defense, but also could use someone who could make some offense happen there. Brittany Sykes is also 5'9". She's also 5'9", and Jordan Horson's like a supersized version. Yes. So after the break, myself and M will dive into Horson's teammate, Rakia Jackson. As a small business owner hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open role with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn jobs will quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeted tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them for fast and for free. 
LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screenwrite applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. I'm your host, Hunter Cruz. I'm joined by my co-host, M. Adler. M. So, fortunately, we went over and met with Kate Jackson. I'll bring up my usual notes on the statistical profile for Kia Jackson. In direct contrast to Jordan Horson's kind of averages jumper, Jordan Horson is the is according to synergy in the 90th percentile, sorry, 92nd percentile, sorry, in uh, jump shot efficiency see this year. But you know, of course, for anyone who's watching to see this year, there's very little separation between her field goal percentage and her effective field goal percentage because she's running her lowest three point three point attempt rate pretty easily since her freshman year. Uh, the good news around that, um, for as much as we do love spacing and for as good as her shot is looked at times, the good news is that her true shooting uh, mark is at by far a career high. It's over 60%. Making She's making almost 60% of her twos, and she's running by far the highest free throw attempt rate of her career and is solidly shooting almost 80% from the line. She's also easily a plus rebounder for the first time in her career, although, you know, again, it's a little bit hard to separate that from the fact that she's played a number of minutes at the five. Now the key's gone down and uh, Kelly Harper was experimenting a little bit with uh, some smaller-ish lineups. Anyway, back to the shot. She's in the 86th percentile in short range jumpers, in the 92nd percentile in twos of 17 feet or longer, and in the 97th percentile in finishing, all to go along with a pretty solid field goal percentage off the dribble. The biggest plus, you know, when we're looking at, you mentioned development's the big thing. The biggest plus is that all of those efficiencies off the catch, dribble, finishing, They've basically improved each and every year. Some small increases from a sophomore year to a junior year, or from a freshman year to a sophomore year to a junior year at Mississippi State, and some big, big games this year. Some big games. Unfortunately, the defensive playmaking, which was unexceptional before, it still hasn't taken a step forward. It's solidly below average, but she does avoid fouls to make up for it. She, for the third year in a row, is running a usage rate around 30%, which is kind of crazy for a true forward. Horston runs a little bit higher than that, but she, like I said, is playing wing. She's playing some point. Um, so it makes it pretty remarkable that Ricky Jackson's in the 85th percentile in turnover rate among forwards, although you know the lack of playmaking means she's got about an average assist to turnover ratio. Uh, her, free throw, her free throw rate has really increased. You know, she's getting to the paint, getting better looks because the paint's more open. Um, and just to reinforce that her field goal percentage in the paint overall on non-paint twos has noticeably increased since Key's absence. So for her offensive value specifically, the idea is like a play finisher, like without the playmaking. Um, downhill, extremely uh, athletic, long. She, she, she is really good from the elbow, like high post operation mm-hmm. where – Ideally, you would probably want to put her next to a center that can play in the short corner and has some ability to stretch out from three just so she has the space to operate because you don't want her to get it too clogged, which is what we saw with Tamari Key, where she doesn't have a lot of room to operate from the elbow mm-hmm. if there's someone there. And where are you at on the shooting? Because I'm I'm, I'm very like pessimistic on her shooting ability. It's like her, her lower body. I don't think she gets a lot out of her lower body, and it's – it, it, it's a weird jump shot. It's a little bit slow. She's very hesitant to take it. Ultimately, she yeah. very. She... And we saw that we saw that at Mississippi State too, when she had you know they have a green light right now because they need scores at Tennessee, but she had an even greener light at Mississippi State, where she was effectively their only like good creator. And 
you know, she was still hesitant on the long jumpers even when she was open there. You know, we talked about this with Haley Jones. You know, I mentioned that you can clearly see when someone's form is not as efficient for generating power from the rest of their body as it could be. With Rakia Jackson, like like you said, it's not the smoothest one in the world, but it doesn't, when I look at it, it doesn't jump out to me as something saying like, you know, you can fix the legs here, the hips here, and suddenly get a lot more. It's a little janky, but it but it's not bad. It's one of those things I look at and, you know, it's hard to change without sort of revamping everything that goes along, revamping a lot of things that go along with it, in my opinion. It's, it is slow from long range. She hits it often enough to, you know, make it an option within the flow of the offense. She hits it basically a little under Natasha Howard rates, but, you know, it's not going to be what we thought it could be. She hits, she hits the jump shots within basically 17 feet of the rim. She hits those often enough to be a threat from the elbow, to be a threat on fadeaway shots, to be a, fe- a threat on, you know, snug pick and pops. But there is a limited upside, I think, with, um, you know, how impactful that profile can be. We're not talking about a stretch four here. We're talking about, really, we're just, really, we're talking about just, a, just an uber athletic standard four, just a very traditional four. And, that skill set has value, but there's like like you said, there's a limit there's a limit to her like her out her outcomes and yeah there's I would definitely say, there's definitely an upside there like we've talked about maybe even if not in the jumper she has a combination of of uh, explosiveness off the line burst and some pretty serious strength we we don't see it used very often her ability to drive through defenders and finish well it's not what you'd want. For for profiling someone to for profiling someone to be a real impact maker even within a traditional role but she has the physical ability that you would could reasonably expect to try to unlock it are there any players in the league currently where you say this is a similar role they can provide i would say someone like Cheyenne Parker a little bit a little bit where i think Cheyenne, i think Cheyenne Parker is probably your upside play there you know mm-hmm. she Shine Parker has become a really good defender despite her size, and she's become pretty lethal in the way that Atlanta plays out of uh, you know playing back to the basket or even just as a pick and roll roller. I think Jackson can definitely get there. Jackson has has I think more efficiency so far in sort of like the ISO mid range face up, but you also don't want to be running that too much to the next level. Shine Parker is your upside play there. I think makes a lot of sense, but for Jackson, she's she's two inches shorter than Cheyenne Parker, and I think that's going to make a big difference there. I think the other end of that spectrum is not quite the downside play because you know the downside play for someone of this profile is kind of out of the league. But the but like the still in the league, but but not being that real positive contributor. I think the other side is Maisha Eines Allen on the uh, Washington Mystics. She's another four or five tweener, which I I don't think Horson is a four or five tweener, but Maisha Eines Allen is a four or five tweener. And she's efficient in the ways that you don't really want to play the game too much. And she's not good enough of a self-creator to really allow for those inefic- those efficient inefficiencies to come within a good offense. Is Isabel Harrison another one of those type players you would say? Isabel Harrison is probably the is probably the. I mean, it's the issue is again you're losing height here because Izzy can stick at the five. I think she has the ability there in a way that, you know, some other defenders have not. I was looking, I was watching Mackenzie Holmes the other day. Mackenzie Holmes like is an excellent is excellent in drop, but she can't really hedge, and you don't want her to be hedging a lot. So you just play her in drop the entire time. 
I was watching um, the the Tennessee Arkansas game is a very good example. In the Tennessee Arkansas game, I was watching um, for Razorback redshirt freshman Sailor Poffenbarger. I just tweeted about her this morning. One of my favorite players to watch. She's so exciting defensively. She's excellent. You don't want, paradoxically you like her in drop. You, you don't like her in hedge, and you like her switching just because there um, is a lot of physical ability to keep players in front and use size. With Rakia Jackson. She uses her she uses her body well, but I'm not sure she uses how good she is with the use of the wingspan necessarily in the way that someone like Poffenbarger does. So she's fine hedging. She's she's quite good in the drop. You can switch with her. You absolutely can, and she has the physicality and athleticism for it. But if she gets beaten off the dribble, she's she I don't think she uses her length well enough to recover to it. And I think that's what gets you in a little bit of an issue. You know, these are things that are fixable. These are things that are definitely improvable at the next level. We're not talking about totally revamping a jump shot here or trying to turn a pass, someone who isn't a passer into a passer to add a plus skill. Like there are minor tweaks here and there that can definitely get her to the plus level. She has really good health instincts. She has a really good ability to give you some secondary rim protection that I think a lot of prospects at the four in this class and recent classes hadn't had. And, you know, I think like the only real thing I look at her with defense and say, oh, this is not great. It might not get better. Is she's not great, like, like mirroring her, the person she's defending in like an ISO from the perimeter. Like a really good face up forward, like Ryan Howard is probably taking her off the dribble. But, you know, if that's the, if, if that's the biggest uh, weakness, you can live with it. And I think overall, when we're talking about Rakia Jackson, we're talking about a player that has the ability to be a plus on both ends of the floor can operate from the high post. She can get downhill, like play out and transition a little bit. And mm-hmm. ideally you can also use her as like a weak side rim protector, have her help over uh, switch a little bit on the perimeter. And maybe she can be used as a screener as well. And the thing, and, and the thing there in terms of those play types you were talking about, one of the reasons her efficiency has taken a huge jump in Tennessee is they basically just completely simplified her role for Mississippi State. She was doing a lot of stuff in Mississippi State, um, where Jordan Horson does a lot of different stuff at Tennessee. The, most of them are with the ball in their hands. But at Tennessee, it's her most often play, most frequent play types. It's overwhelmingly transition, post-ups, and spot-ups. And she's and the other ones, like the ball in her hands, the off-screens, the, um, the pick-and-roll handling, it's not there as much as it was. And that's just allowed her to play to her strengths. But it also means, you know, we're seeing a profile of someone who's a little bit harder to say how they're going to stand out at the next level. Which leads me to, I have a question for you before we before we wrap this up about Horston and Jackson. And I think a lot of the decision that comes down between them, you know, as, our, as, as our Howard Mendel reported a little while ago, um, Dallas with one of its first round picks is rumored to be, or was rumored to be looking between um, Charisma Osborne, the UCLA guard, who we'll get to in the coming weeks, and Jackson and Horston. And the question I have for you, which I think is one of my biggest when it comes to valuing Jordan Horston or Kia Jackson over the other, is you know, they're both very efficient players with the ball in their hands at this level. What does success for them look like, and how attainable is it if they're playing without the ball in their hands on offense? So for Jordan Horston, you'd probably want to use her as a cutter. Mm-hmm. that priority going to maximize her. And you're saying like as an off-ball player in general, because like, I think there's value in her as like a transition creator as well, just with how many turnovers she, she creates mm-hmm. um, off the ball as well. Maybe you do some, 
user as like a screener, I would say. There's some value in like screen the screener actions as well. Um, I think that I think of the two, I would say I would feel a lot more comfortable in Horston off ball than Rakia Jackson, just given that I think Horston's got the chance to be a better shooter. Um, pretty much already is right now, better shooter. Mm-hmm. And then there's the upside play of her being able to grow into a creator at the next level. And if we're talking about Dallas, I, I, I don't wish either of those contexts upon either player <laughs> or Charisma Osborne, to, to, to be honest, either, all, any of those players, because it's, it's a mess with how many players they have and trying to figure everything out. It's hard for a rookie to kind of find their role, and it could be all over the place. But what about you? Where are you at on those three? Um, I mean, I agree with you on on Horston. What and this is what I this is what I've been saying is you're we're looking for you know can she up the finishing enough to say all right we can turn this person into cutter. She definitely has the feel offensively for it. I think she has pretty good perimeter movement on offense, and so I think you can reasonably say there is probably a good cutter in here somewhere. I am curious as to you know what it would look like at the next level to both to use her to the strengths of on ball second side. Um, pick and roll running and cutting. You know that's that's not a profile that is rare. That's not something that's hard to say. I'm just interested in specifically what for her it, look, it, it would look like. Um, as far as Jackson, I'm curious because I honestly do not know. What do you think Jackson looks like off ball? What does success to for her profile look like? Off ball, they probably put her in the short corner. I would say maybe they they run like if they have like a five. Like ideally, you would have a team like Seattle where they have Izzy at the five. They put her in the corner if she can continue to shoot more. And you have her in the mm-hmm. you have her in the short corner, and you can kind of make some plays there, uh, run some empty side actions there, and have a uh, Jewel Lloyd and then like another like wing screener there. That would be interesting and off ball as well. It's tough. Uh, it's tough to imagine where a team could utilize her off ball because. A lot of her value comes from being like a creator in transition and just those leak out plays. So maybe use her as like a screener as well, if that's considered off ball, using her as a screener. Uh, where do you think is like her, her main off ball value, especially early on if she's not getting a lot of the on ball reps, like as a rookie, as a sophomore? Yeah, I mean, I honestly agree with everything you said on her. Like, I don't see where the cutting value would come from her. You know, I see the physical tools that I can say that's where it is, but it's not the same bounciness as you know jordan horson has where you can profile it to that level and you know we saw with the shooting not 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 growing as much then you can't say oh she's going to drift around and be a shooter i think yeah short corner kind of coming up on thumbs up thumbs down action operating out of the horn sets i think these are good ideas for her but i also think that that's pretty limited upside honestly if she can't be if she's not giving you a whole lot of efficiency with the ball in her hands then it's going to be tricky to get enough use out of her with the, when she's off the ball to, I guess, kind of unlock her. And I think that's the thing for me when we're looking between these two players is Jordan Horson, there's a lot more paths, we talked to Haley Jones, there's a lot of paths to um, being a really impactful role player in some different roles. Like with Haley Jones for Horston, I think it's a little, I think it's a lot more reasonable to project her into some of those. With Jackson, I think, I think Horston's like, 0th, 10th, 20th percentile outcomes are probably worse than Jackson's equivalents. But I think Jackson's upside really hits a wall with what we've seen so far. The athleticism and some of the skills that we've seen flashed up at times, you know, there is a huge ceiling there. But I think given what we've seen on tape and the tendencies, 
that there's a pretty defined ceiling to how good she can be. Um, and it's just, and it doesn't, it just doesn't approach what Horston can do. And when it comes to drafting, there's some teams that like value more into the safe player. And there's some teams that will take risks. And like you said, the zero 20th, 10th, anywhere in that range, the outcomes is a lot worse for someone like mm-hmm. Jordan Horston, but I think we can both agree that you're looking for high-level talents. You're not looking for a ninth, 10th player, especially because we're talking about two of the probably seven, six best players in this class. And especially and, when, you know, if you're drafting other than like number four, number five, number six, like with a draft like this, you're not getting a player there who's 20th, 30th percentile outcome. He's a WNBA player. Right. And that's why you shoot for the stars. And I think that's what we're, mm-hmm. we're going to see here. Um, it's certainly going to be interesting to see where each of these players fall on draft night, because it, it's a mess after the outside the top two, and we'll see how it goes. So thanks for making Lots basketball your first listen today. And I'll make your second listen game to game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.